today's readings, we hear of Samuel, sorry, Samson being conceived. And it is a yearning that the mother has to have children, just like Elizabeth. And it is similar that their sons are especially chosen for a special vocation, Samson to deliver Israel from the power of the Philistines and John the Baptist to be that voice preparing the way for the Messiah who will save Israel from sin. And we see that there's a certain power that these chosen prophets, ministers have through fasting. The angel told Samson's mother to not take wine or strong drink, to eat nothing unclean. And the same for his son. And John the Baptist, we hear, will be one who will drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, not filled with earthly things. And so it is a reminder for us that we who yearn for God's salvation, we who yearn for God to fix the problems in our world, the problems in our church, the problems in our family, the problems in our society, that we too must yearn and pray for deliverance. And that we too, though, have a part to play. And if we are going to play our part, we have to remain focused, not so much on what we can't handle, not focus on the things we can't control, but to focus on our own house, to get our own house in order, to pray daily, to pray throughout the day, to make a good examination of conscience, to go to confession regularly. And as we hear in these readings, to pray and fast, to have penance, because there is great power and efficacy in fasting and abstaining, either from, as we hear in scripture, from strong drink or as our tradition practices uh, from me. There is great power in this. And that is why it is in the tradition of the church to fast and pray. Tomorrow and this Friday and Saturday are what's called the Ember Days. Ember Wednesday, Ember Friday, Ember Saturday. And these are days in which we, there's four sets of Ember Days. And it, they are days in which we give thanks to God for the harvest, for all the blessings we received each season. So there's the winter, the spring, the summer, and fall ember days. So 12 days total of fasting and abstinence per year. 
back in uh, before 1960s when Paul VI changed the fasting rules, there was actually 56 days of fasting that we practice in the, the Western Church, in the Latin Rite. Whereas the, the Eastern Church, the Byzantine, uh, they continue to fast a lot. Uh, my friends out who are in the Byzantine Rite uh, seem to always be fasting for certain feast days. We went from 56 fasting days all of a sudden to two. There was 40 days in Lent, because every day was a fasting day in Lent, every weekday, not counting the Sundays. And so that meant, you know, the standard practice we do today, one meal with two smaller snacks that don't equal that. And then there was also the vigil of Christmas, the vigil of Pentecost, the vigil of All Saints, and the vigil of the Immaculate Conception. Always, you know, it's kind of Father Chris, you've probably heard uh, in one of his talks, you always fast before you feast so that you enjoy that feasting even more. And then there was uh, the Rogation Days and the Ember Days. And the Ember Days are forgotten about because in the rubrics for the Missal, in the, for the Mass, it says the Ember Days are no longer part of the universal calendar, but are to be determined, the days are to be set by the local conference of bishops. Each country can determine which day they are. Now, I guess the idea behind this was so it can match up maybe the change of seasons uh, according to each region, instead of having one universal change of seasons. But if you look what happened, many countries, including our own, the bishops have not set a particular, uh, the particular days for Ember Days. And so it's still actually encouraged, still no problem to then just go along with the traditional days, which for Advent is after the Feast of St. Lucy. And these are days, again, when we give thanks to God for the blessings we have received, that we recognize he is our creator and all that is good comes from him. And so we offer up a little sacrifice in recognizing what we have received only came from him. And then it allows us to be grateful for what we received and also give to others, kind of give some almsgiving. So it's almost kind of like a mini Lent, four times a year, kind of help us get refocused, get spiritually reoriented. Are we on track? Or are we getting caught up too much with the problems elsewhere? And probably lastly, but most importantly, the Ember Days were a day in which we pray for priests. And there was actually a time in the church when Priests could only be ordained on Ember Saturdays. And this was a time in which the whole church was united in praying and fasting for the new priests and for all priests. And as one priest pointed out, we can see what has happened now that we 
have kind of started ignoring this ancient tradition. And this is an ancient tradition. Pope Leo the Great said, the Ember Days goes back from the apostles. It's an apostolic tradition handed on to us from the apostles who are really continuing something from the Old Testament. So this goes back to even the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, just carried on in the New Testament, the New Covenant. the past 50 years of ignoring it, do we think our priests need prayers and fasting? Yes. And that's why actually some dioceses are now actually returning. Diocese of Pittsburgh and some others after the McCarrick scandals reinstituted locally for their diocese these ember days, calling for us to pray and fast for our shepherds, for our priests. Because I can assure you, as a priest, we need the prayers. And we need not just prayers, but the power of fasting. John the Baptist was known for his fasting. And he becomes that voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And we too need to be that voice, always for the truth, which does not change. For the truth is none other than the Word of God, the Son of God, Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God is eternal. He cannot change. And that is why you know, we remember that church teachings do not change, but they always develop. And they develop as St. John Newman uh, teaches, you know, they develop organically, you know, like an acorn into an oak tree, but it cannot turn into something else. And so anytime, especially you hear in the news that the church has changed some teaching, you can be skeptical because there's certain doctrine and teachings that, again, can't change. But then there are disciplines that can change. So, you know, like woman's ordination, that is something of doctrine, dogma, cannot change. Whereas something like celibacy is a discipline, an ancient and worthy uh, discipline founded in scripture, but which can change because it's just a discipline. And so we also consider in pastoral applications what can be changed as well. Now, you probably have heard yesterday's in the news uh, the declaration that has come out of uh, the DDF, uh, the Doctrine of Faith, Dicastery. The Marians and Father Chris, on behalf of the Marians, will give a uh, message, uh, a statement on that. Um, but I'll just say that we can always, uh, you know, trust in the Lord's mercy and that his desire is for the salvation of all. 
And that is why actually, uh, even in the, the Roman ritual, the traditional Roman ritual going back centuries and centuries, there is actually allowed, according to the general rules concerning blessings, that says rule number three, blessings are designed primarily for Catholics, but may likewise be given to catechumens. Moreover, unless the church expressly forbids, they may be imparted to non-Catholics to assist them in obtaining the light of faith or together with it bodily health. And so it's saying here even blessings, they are primarily for Catholics, uh, but, but they may be, unless the church expressly forbids it in certain circumstances, they may be imparted to non-Catholics. And you know, I myself, you know, I remember wa walking in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, somebody, a uh, homeless man, I thought, wanted some uh, money or food. All he came up to her, asked me for was a blessing. Uh, and I didn't ask him if he was Catholic or anything. Uh, but we, you know, want God's blessing to be upon all, that they might know the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is even... Uh, again, from the Roman ritual, the traditional uh, book of blessings spanning centuries and centuries back. It's the people that, if they are open to the truth and desire to live in God's will, according to the teachings of Christ and the church, then, of course, God will work in whatever way he can to give them that opportunity to enlighten their minds with the truth so that their hearts may be filled with the love of God. And Jesus, as we heard in our Alleluia verse, is a sign of God's love for all people. Today's O Antiphon, before Christmas is, O root of Jesse's stem, sign of God's love for all his people, come to save us without delay. Jesus is that root of Jesse's stem. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that the kingdom of David will be at one point destroyed, but now with the new covenant, the New Testament, that kingdom of David has risen up and will reign forever through Jesus Christ, our King. And when you think of a root, it is hidden. But out of this hidden root comes forth the sign or really standard or banner of God's love, God's victory. For Christ does have the victory. No matter how dark it gets or how confusing things seem to be within our society or our church, always hold on to that root of Jesse's stem. Cling to that root. Otherwise, we will not share in the victory which is proclaimed by Christ. And to hold on to that root of Jesse's stem, remain in his kingdom. Remain in his church. Our Lord 
gives us everything we need to partake in his victory. And that is why, again, always focus on what we need to do, what is within our control, what is within our duties in our vocation in our state of life. And so pray and examine our own consciences and as our readings remind us and as this upcoming week uh, calls us, encourages us, uh, take advantage of the power of fasting to not only offer up thanksgiving to God, but to pray for our priests and shepherds that they might be shepherds after Christ's own heart, leading all the sheep to Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.